seated, church. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be together. Welcome to Next. Extend a, a warm welcome to you. Uh, if you're a guest or a visitor here this morning, we welcome you. We pray that you'd feel welcomed here. More than anything, we pray that you would know how much God loves you. My name is Joe, one of the pastors here at Next, and uh, we are all about helping people take their next steps with God. So wherever you're at or in your spiritual journey, we're glad you're here. We're uh, in the next to last week of our series called Lost, which is based upon Luke chapter 19. Jesus named, gave a nickname to a whole group of people that don't know him, and he called them the Lost. They don't know Jesus who is the way. And we're talking about these last five weeks, our way of engaging with the lost, our, according to the scriptures, our calling, our responsibility, uh, our joy and privilege of being the truth and the hope and love to the lost and bringing them to Jesus. And so there was a study I read this week by the uh, Barna group, a research group, and they did a study of non-Christians, those who don't attend church, those who are not believers and followers of Jesus, and they asked them, what do you value in a person with whom you would be willing to have a spiritual conversation? What are the top three things that you would value in a person that you would then be willing to have a spiritual conversation? Here are the top three qualities that came out of this research in this order. The first one is this, is that uh, somebody who would be willing to listen without judgment. That was the first quality that they wanted. Somebody that would accept them as they are, that would let them process and ask questions and disagree with where the other person is at, um, that they would be safe with this kind of a person to express doubts and concerns and ask questions. So this is the first trait that they say they want us to have, that we'd be willing to listen to them without judging them. The second thing is that um, they're looking for someone that would allow them to draw their own conclusions, right? That this us, the, the spiritual person, would understand that they're on a journey, it's a process, and, and not to rush the process, not to treat them like a project, not to get frustrated if they don't get there as fast as we would like them to get there, to, to let them come to their own conclusions. And then the third response of a quality that they want to see in someone that they're willing to have a conversation is that the person has a confidence in, in sharing their own perspective. In other words, the, and this is interesting, this is, this is very revealing because what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is our, our first way of cultivating a relationship with those that Jesus called the lost is to serve them and care for them and bless them and listen to them and eat with them and be a friend to them. And then after we do all of that, what this is saying is there comes a point now where they want to hear from you because you've built a genuine bridge of friendship with them, that you would then at that point be able to confidently share what it is that you really believe, that you wouldn't back down, you wouldn't be meek or super apologetic, but that you would be able to share genuinely about what you believe and that it means something to you, that it's not just your version of religiosity compared to all the other world religions, but it's, it's deeply personal and means something to you that you can confidently share that. And it's when we get to this point that we then begin to plant God's seeds. 
And that's where we're going to pick up this week. I told you last week, if you weren't here last week, this kind of builds on what we did last week, is that um, I'm teaching you how to do what we called um, spiritual CPR, right? Not cardiopulmonary resuscitation, but spiritual CPR. And when we talked about last week how the reality is each one of us has these different spheres of influence, right, that we all live in. It's our natural spheres of life, whether it's work or school or our neighborhood. Somebody asked me at their second service, can family be one? Absolutely, family can be one. I, I didn't leave that off on purpose. For many of us, that is our primary mission field is, is our family, those who don't think that we're the nut jobs of the family because we follow Jesus and believe in Jesus. So we all have these spheres of influence, and what we said is within each one of them, we want to do this process that we said is cultivating, planting, and reaping. And, and so I told you last week, I'm going to expand on that this week, is I'm going to teach you how to plant. I'm going to teach you how to plant seeds, and we're going to teach you how to plant a very small baby seed that's real easy. I'm going to teach you how to plant a little bit of a bigger seed. It's a little bit more involved. And then I'm going to teach you how to plant the biggest seed. And, um, and this is a process. Or this is a progression. And so after you've done cultivating, after you've built that friendship, now you're ready to step into planting. And we said that planting is simply this. Planting seeds is simply letting your newfound lost friend know about your other friend, Jesus, and just kind of introducing those two friendships in a normal, natural way. It's introducing Jesus into this friendship, right? And so the first way, we gave you this handout. I would love for you to write these things down. Um, we're going to get to reaping in just a minute. I'm going to teach you what I think is the most clear, simple way to actually share the gospel. But for this part right now, I'm going to teach you how to plant small seeds, okay? Um, how to get into... Um, p bringing God stuff up in your life in a natural way, in a way that's not weird or awkward or uh, and, and it's appropriate, right? It requires you, you having some spiritual discernment, a little bit of relational and emotional intelligence and understanding and reading the situation and, and having courage just to go for it a little bit, but just in a little small way, plant a little small seed. And so the, the first seed that we're going to, the little small seed I'm going to call planting a seed is we're going to call that raising the flag. Raising the flag, okay, is the nickname that we're going to give to this little baby seed, this small seed. And here is raising the flag. Raising the flag is simply you letting them know God is in your life. Again, planting is all about God in you. You're not telling them they need God in them. It's all about letting them see God in you. And so raising the flag is simply a little way of establishing your identity as one who follows and believes in Jesus, right? You're just kind of letting that cat out of the bag in a very natural kind of way, right? So it's part of an everyday conversation. And so you're always just looking for opportunities to plant little God seeds, so your neighbor uh, says to you, hey, what would you do this weekend? What you guys got going on? And you say, oh, not, not much. Just kind of a, a normal weekend. The kids had some games on Saturday. We're running all over the place. We went to church Sunday morning, and then we're going home in the afternoon. We're going to watch the birds in the afternoon. It's going to be a great weekend, right? And so normal part of the conversation, and all you did is just planted a little baby seed and let them know that you go to church on Sunday morning. 
right? What did, it's just raising the flag. It's just raising the flag a little bit, letting them know this is a part of my life. You're not telling them they need to go to church. You're not going into the gospel right now, right? You're just establishing your identity as one who follows Jesus, raising the flag. Um, and listen, these principles, that I'm, and again, if you're new here, this is going to feel kind of seminarish. I said this last week, but I said we, we just need to get really practical about if our calling is to be an ambassador and sent ones and messengers and a priest and salt and light and to live this out in the world, we've got to get really practical in how we're going to do this. And so we're, we're a little bit more hands-on in what we're doing here, thus the smart board and notes and all this stuff, but... Um, this is our calling, and I wanted to get really, I want to help you, um, and, and, and what I'm sharing with you is what Joe tries to do, and this is the way that we've tried to live, um, because this is, it does, it's not natural to us. This is much more natural, much more comfortable doing this than living out. I am not naturally an evangelist. I am not naturally one who can engage in conversations with lost people easily. It's work for me. Uh, it, it, it's very easy for me to want to chicken out. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's even harder when I raise the flag and let them know I'm a pastor. I try to keep that hidden as long as possible because as soon as I raise that flag, things get really weird with people real fast, right? They are looking for ways to exit this conversation real fast. They all of a sudden feel like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, and they start thinking about all the ways they've cursed in the last 10 minutes, and like they apologize for that. I'm like, it's okay. I've heard those words before. And, and like I, I don't say this, but like lost people act like lost people, so I, I know that's how they're going to act, and so it's okay. And so, um, and so these methods of what I'm sharing with you is what I have found to be the cleanest and the simplest and the most practical on how to not chicken out in my calling, not as a pastor, just as a follower of Jesus, to engage with lost people. I was talking with my next door neighbor, um, Jorge and Erica moved in next door about year and a half, maybe two years ago. And so we have been intentionally um, doing, cultivating. We're, we've been doing CPR with them. We're not at the reaping stage yet. We're in the cultivating and the planting phase with them. We keep doing cultivating, and we've gone into the planting phase. I planted a little baby seed with uh, Jorge um, like two weeks ago. Well, we were out in the driveway. We met in the driveway. We were chit-chatting, right? And he's like, hey, how are the, how the kids doing? They're off at school, right? How's that going? And so I got to share with him how the kids are doing and how it's going really great for both of our kids in college. We're enjoying this empty nest season. But what I shared is like this. is like, listen, the best we can do is with God's help, we raised them up for 18 years, and then we send them out, and now we're just trusting God that they're going to follow him. Right? And, 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 and so that was part of the conversation. That was all I said. Just, just kind of planted a little seed. And I could tell even, he knows I'm a pastor, but I could tell even because they just had, if they were like a one and a half year old, they just had a kid, about this idea of trusting God and raising your kids was like a, a foreign concept for him. Like, what do you mean trusting God to raise your kids? So all I did is just plant a little seed with him of that God is a part of our parenting. God is a part of our life. God affects us, right? And so you're just looking for little opportunities to raise the flag. You, know, you have a, a coworker in the car, and, uh, and you intentionally have some worship music on. And, you know, they're like, well, what is this? And you're like, oh, this is worship music. We do some of these songs out of our church, right? And so um, little opportunities. To, again, you're not sharing the whole gospel. You're just establishing your identity. You're just raising the flag, okay? Natural part of the conversation 
You're not making awkward jumps. You're not, you know, bridging and, and stretching it. Natural part of the conversation. You then move to the second size seed, okay? After you've done that, you're raising the flag a little bit. And, and now you do what we're going to call sharing a God story. Sharing a God story, okay? And, and sharing a God story is a little bit more involved than raising the flag. Raising the flag literally takes five seconds, ten seconds. Sharing a God story is a little bit more involved. Here's sharing a God story. The heart behind sharing a God story is you're letting them see how you deal with the stuff of life that everybody deals with. For example, just because you are a Christian, do we not deal with almost all of the same things that non-Christians deal with? Do we deal with kid issues, finance issues, health issues, job transition issues, marriage issues, right? Uh, We deal with all of the same issues that non-Christians deal with, except we don't go through it alone. The God of the universe is in our corner with us as we go through these issues, right? And so sharing a God story is the next size seed where you're engaged in conversation about something of life, whether it's change or whether it's stress or whether it's the kids or whether it's, you know, whatever it is, and you have a chance to share a God story the way that God has been a part of this, this same thing that you've gone through and how it's impacted your life. Right, and so you're you're talking about uh, job stress, and your neighbor's lost his job, and um, and and you're able to relate to that, and such. Not where you're trying to one up them or prove them wrong, but you're just in a very natural way where you're sharing about, you know what, we've gone through difficult times too, and I, I just got to be honest. This might even sound really weird to you, but this is what really helped Dana and I is is, is we. There's this verse in the Bible that says um, God will never leave us, God will never forsake us, and so we just had this this trust that God was watching out for us and that he would, there's another verse in the Bible that says he's going to supply our every need. And so we just believed in him. Man, it was really, really hard. But during that time, we just got to lean on God and it just carried us through that difficult time, right? So again, not sharing the whole gospel. You're not telling them they need God. All you're doing is letting them peek through the window of your heart and how God is real in your life. Sharing a God story. And I think there's opportunities all over the place for us to share those little nuggets, those little medium-sized seeds of how God is working in your life. And God's always at work in your life. I mean, this is why we did name our church Next. Because the Christian life is a journey from the time that you don't know Jesus to taking next steps and continuing to always follow Jesus. Not that you're working for your salvation, but that you're continuing to learn, to grow, to mature in your love for God. And so God's always at work in your life. Sometimes we just need to slow down and stop and say, what's God been doing? And you have God's stories to share. And so that's, that's the medium size seeds, looking for opportunities to share a God story. Again, it takes 30 seconds. It's just a quick little thing, a little bit more than raising the flag, sharing a God story. And then the third size seed, the larger seed in planting, is we're calling sharing your God story. 
which is a little bit more involved, okay? Sharing your God story than sharing a God story. Sharing your God story is sharing the exact story of when your eyes were opened spiritually, you realized that your sin is separating you from God, you realized Jesus died on the cross for your sin, and you said yes to your Savior Jesus to forgive your sins, and you placed your faith and trust in him. That decision that you made, that is your God story, and we all have one. Yours might not be crazy and dramatic and kind of, you know, unbelievable movie, like scenes of a Hollywood, like you're a drug addict and Skid Row and God came in. Like, you don't have to have a crazy story. The fact that God came into your life and took something that was spiritually dead and made it alive is a miracle. Changed your eternal destiny from eternally separated from God in a very real place called hell, guaranteed your eternal future in a very real place called heaven. I mean, that that's a an incredible story. That's a, a powerful story. And so what I want to do is I want to help you know how to share your story in a normal, natural way. All of you should learn and it should be so familiar to you that, and, I, and we say in three minutes, we want you to learn your story, how to share your story in three minutes. And it's got three parts. And each part should take a minute. By the way, this is the exact outline we give to everybody who wants to get baptized. You know that we, we love hearing their story of how God came into their life and Jesus saved them. We give them the same outline. We want people to share. we got to celebrate. This is what God's doing. He's real. Three ways to share, or three parts to share your story. But before I give you those three parts, I want to, I want to convince you as to why you should be sharing your story. Okay? Why you should be sharing your story. So, um... Uh, I'm going to go back to the, I skipped over John 9. I'm going to go back to John 9. Let's go to these three parts or uh, four parts as to why you should learn to share your story. Okay. Um, the first, the, they all begin with P. So it's going to be really easy for you. Okay. Here's the first reason why. One, it's personal. Okay. Your story is personal. It, it, it happened to you. Um, people can't argue with it. People can't be like, no, that's not really what happened. It, no, it really is. This is what happened in your life. It's, it's, pers- it's part of an, a, a, a natural part of the conversation. You're opening up and sharing a very important part of your life. It's personal. Number two, it's powerful. You're, you're talking about a powerful miracle that took place of God saving you and changing your life. Right? So, so be excited about this story. Don't ever not be amazed at the story of God saving you. It's a miracle that God even... Opened your eyes so that you can see him and, 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 and awaken your spiritually dead heart so you can respond to him. Right? It's powerful. The third thing is it's, 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 it's practical. Um, Jesus works. How, how many of you experienced a peace that passes all understanding in the middle of a storm? And you're like, I, 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 I should not be okay right now, but I am okay. Why? Because I know there's one who's carrying me through the storm. Jesus work. Christianity works in a sense. Um, it's incredibly practical. It's not a ticket into heaven someday in the future, and you're just down here on your own, slugging it out, trying to make it. Jesus in your life is incredibly practical in the everyday things. And so sharing your story learning to share your story is showing how Christianity is incredibly practical in the everyday life of things. And then the fourth reason to share your story is it's 
it's portable. <laughs> you always have it with you. Everywhere you go, you got it with you. You're not like, oh, wait, I, I would love to share with you, but I, I left my track at home. I don't have it. Right? You, you don't need a track. You don't need a Bible card. You don't, you, you don't need any. It's with you. You have it with you everywhere you go, learning to share your story. Um, I, one of my favorite stories is in, is in, is in John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, um, it's, it's a crazy story. You have a guy who is, is sharing a God story, and it's turning into his God story. And, and let me encourage you as we, sh- we look at this John chapter 9 real quick, because a lot of times we feel like we don't want to share our story because we, we won't be able to answer follow-up questions, or we, we, we won't know how to, how to go from there. And this story is in- incredibly encouraging to me because of how this guy handles his story. Here's the story. Uh, let me give you the backdrop, and then we'll look at John chapter 9. There was a man who was a beggar who was blind, and he was born blind. And, um, and the disciples come across him, and they ask Jesus, was this guy blind? This was the mindset at the time. Is this guy blind because of the sin of him or the sin of his, father, or his, his parents? Like, there had to be a reason. And Jesus said, neither. Um, but he, so that his, the glory of God could be revealed right now. And so Jesus does something I think is one of the wildest miracles. He, he spits into the dirt. You guys remember this story? He spits into the dirt, right? <laughs> spits into the dirt. And, sorry, dear. <laughs> I just can't, my old junior high pastor days came over me for a second. And, but this is what Jesus, and he gets down in the dirt, and he, in his spit, he makes two mud pies and puts them on the guy's eyes, right? Which you have to just use your holy imagination for a second. The guy's blind. He didn't know what was coming. All of a sudden, right? He's just got mud put in his eyes. And then Jesus says, all right, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go wash down at the pool of Siloam. And so the guy does. He goes down to the pool of Siloam, which was nearby in Jerusalem, and he comes back. And he can see. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's a miracle. And there's people all around him. And they're like, wait, wait a minute. Aren't you, aren't you the blind? You're the, you're blind Billy, right? You're the blind guy. Wait, we, we, what? And, and, and it's funny because they start having a debate. And it says in, in John, you can read the story in John chapter 9. I'm not exaggerating it. It says that they, they, some people start saying, no, that's not him. That's just a guy that looks like him. And others say, no, 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 it really is him. That's him. We know him. We've known him from birth. And, and, and that's where we pick up the story. Okay? They, don't, they can't believe what just happened, what Jesus did, just did. And so now here in John 9, verse 13, verse 13, it says this. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. The day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. So now you have the religious super uptight people are going to get super worked up because Jesus worked on the Sabbath by making mud cakes, right? And so the Pharisees now are going to have their own issue with what's going on. The Pharisees asked them again, how did you receive your sight? He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed 
and I can see, right? No deep theological answers, no, no um, you know, questions about theology and God. This guy's just like, look, he made mud, put in my eyes, I watched, I can see, right? He's telling his story. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, meaning Jesus. This man's not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath, But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was division among them. So again, they asked the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And this guy, I love his He's a prophet. Like, I I don't know. Something special about this guy. All I know is I can see, right? Um, The Jews did not believe this about Jesus, that he was a prophet, that he was blind and received sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. So now they're getting this guy's parents involved. And they go find this guy's parents. And they asked him, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And the parents say, we, we know this is our son. And that he was born blind, the parents answered. But we don't know how he now sees. And we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him, the parents say. He's of age, like blind Billy's a grown man. Ask him. He can, he can tell you. He'll speak for himself, he says. So it says, so a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God. We know that this man, again, meaning Jesus, is a sinner. And he, I love, I love what he says. He answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I can see. And I love this story because this guy has no theological, biblical framework for what just happened. He's got no answers to their questions. All he can do is say what this guy Jesus did for him. Look, I don't know who he is. All I know is I was blind, and now I can see. And so when you're learning to share either a God story or your God story, you don't have to have all the theological answers. You don't have to be a Bible scholar expert. All you're doing is sharing, look, here's my story. Your version of I was blind, but now I can see. Okay? So, so how do you share, how do you share a God story? Okay? Uh, share your God story. Let me share with you, sharing your God story has three parts. Okay? It has three parts. I'd love for you to write this part down underneath here. Sharing your story has three parts. Here's the first part. The first part is your life before Christ. Okay? Your life before trusting in Christ. Everybody has a life before trusting in Christ. Nobody is born a Christian. Nobody is born a Christian. We're, in fact, the Bible says we're born sinners. You might have been born into a Christian family, but nobody is born a Christian. And so at some point in your young journey, whether you're young or old, at some point in your journey, you came to a point where you realized you need Jesus. And so you're going to describe, basically, you're going to describe what we call your BC days. 
your before Christ days. I'll demonstrate mine to you now. I'll walk through this with you now so that you can see. We want this whole thing, this whole thing should take three minutes, okay? You're not preaching a sermon. You're just simply sharing your story. And the goal is for the whole thing to take three minutes. This first part should take less than a minute, okay? Here's, here's mine. Uh, I, was, I was born into a, a good family. Uh, it was a church-going family. We went to church every Sunday. But it was a church where I kind of learned growing up that the way to get to heaven was to be good. And so I, I was, for the most part, as a kid, trying to be good. I tried to, tried to do good things and, and uh, had religion class during the day at school. Uh, I, I was one of those uh, altar boys up front in church where I was like, well, I'm going to do that. That must be good. I even volunteered to do the 6 a.m. mass as a 12-year-old. Like, who wants to get 6 a.m. before school started? I was doing that, right? Why? Because I thought you tried to... Get to heaven by being good. And that's what I thought for the very early part of my life. There's my BC days, right? 30 seconds, right, of my life before Christ. You have a story similar to share. Um, And learning to just be able to think through your BC days and put it into a 30 to 60 second uh, quick story is going to be an important skill. I'm telling you, learning to tell this part of your story is super, super helpful for you. The next part of your story is how... You came to know Christ. How you came to know Christ. How did that happen? Right? Some of you can remember the exact date, the exact time. Some of you know it was a period of time. It it doesn't matter if you remember exactly when it happened. I remember pretty much the exact period of time and kind of, I don't remember the date. I remember kind of what grade I was in. And so my story would continue on like this. Around when I was 13 or 14 years old, our family decided to switch and go start going to a different church. And uh, this church had a, a youth group there, and my mom made me go to youth group. And so, <clears throat> um, I'm time out my story. Side note. Let me come over here. Side note. Parents, listen. Here's, if you, um, make your kids go to youth group. <laughs> make your kids go to youth group. Uh, I had no desire as a 14-year-old to go to, to, go to, to youth group, go to church. I, I didn't want to go anymore because we had just left private school and switched schools. Now I'm in a new school, and now we switch churches. And now mom goes, and you're going to youth group. I'm like, youth group? What is youth group? I don't even want to like, no, you're going to go. And I had no desire to go, and she made me go, and it changed my life. And so I, I say this all the time. Kids are very hesitant to step into new things. They feel awkward about themselves, and I'm uncomfortable in that. And help them to push through that. Get your kids to youth group, because I think it changes, it changes kids' lives in, for the most part. So, all right, time in, back into my story. So mom made me go to youth group, and it went, I went to this youth group, and it changed my life. Because I heard something I never heard before in my life. I heard that you have eternal life with God, not by doing good works. But I heard that you have eternal life because of Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross for my sins, that I couldn't do enough good things to outwork my sins. And so it was going to be through having this real relationship with Jesus Christ, putting my faith, my trust in him, that that is how one is saved and gets to heaven. And so probably about my third or fourth time going to this youth group, I I said yes to Jesus Christ. I realized I needed to ask him in my life. I asked him into my life. And so my relationship with Jesus started that day. 
right? So that's part two. You're kind of telling, be specific. And a good story has some details, right? So give, give some details in there. Again, my story, is not, there's nothing glamorous or crazy about my story. Some of you have way more crazy stories. Don't be afraid to share those details. Why? It shows the power of what God can do to change people's lives when you, when you share, right? And so how you came to know Christ. And now you're going to share part three is how your life has changed since trusting in Christ. How's your life different now? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus now? And so if I were sharing my story to my next door neighbor, I would say something like this. And so now, listen, not everything's perfect. There's still issues in life, right? Don't paint a false picture of being a Christian. Everything's just fine, right? Everything's not always just fine. Here's the thing. But now, you know what? Man, I just have this incredible peace. I have this incredible peace because I know God. I got to tell you, I, I feel like I experience real joy in life. And it doesn't come from having nice things because those things break and wear down and get old. But uh, joy is actually knowing the person of Jesus. I, this might sound crazy to you, but I don't walk around guilty. Because even though I know I've done things wrong, I know God forgives me for my sins. So I don't carry this burden of guilt and shame that I know a lot of people, right? So I'm sharing how Jesus is real in my life. These are the things that are real for me that I would share with my neighbor, right? And so how has Christ changed your life now? So again, one minute, one minute, one minute, in three minutes, you're sharing your story of how Jesus changed your life. This is called planting. And it is incredibly effective because it's you. You're not telling them they need any of this. It's just you sharing God being real in your life. You're planting little seeds, medium-sized seeds, bigger seeds in their heart. Now, you guys all with me, all right? All right, I know this feels incredibly seminar. Stay with me. If we're going to move, all right, and this is, I want to teach you, I'm going to ask you to write this sentence down. For me, this is the sentence I use to make the hinge to switch from planting to go to the reaping phase, right? If we're going to go now cultivating, planting, reaping, where how do I explain the gospel? If I'm going to share how to do that, okay, when I get to this point, if I've shared my story and I find that they're leaning in and they're listening and their eyes are wide open and I sense that the Holy Spirit is kind of saying, just go for it, man. The table is set. Just go for it, right? Then I will say this phrase, which is, again, there's nothing magical about this phrase. It's helped me in a natural way to make the hinge from how do you actually get them to say yes to Jesus. I will say something very close to this statement. Is there anything in your life right now that's keeping you from trusting in Christ as your Savior? I will say some kind of version of this statement. And I'll tell you a couple reasons why I think this is effective. It's inviting them to think about where they're at. Number, number two, I'm asking them right now. Uh, those words are very important, right now. It's very easy to punt this on down the road and to then at this point kind of tap out. But man, if they're leaning in, they're listening to God real in my life, and I sense the Holy Spirit is like saying, go for it. I'm going to say, right, hey, man, like, is there anything right now that's keeping you? You can ask Jesus Christ right now to be your Savior. 
And they might have an answer like, well, I gotta, I gotta clean myself up before I, if I come back to that church, the walls will cave in, right? People say all kinds of things like that. And, and then I say, well, no, I'm not telling you about coming back to church. I'm saying, like, right now, like how I said yes to Jesus in my life, you can say yes to Jesus right now. What do you think? Do you, would you want to do that, right? And it's just asking them, it's not telling them, it's asking them, do you wanna do that? Sometimes they say no, and sometimes they say yes. And if they say yes, like, oh, shoot, all right, well, uh, well, come this Sunday, come to church, and uh, I'll tell you, I'll bring you to the guy, and he'll tell you, like, no, right? You, right then and there, I, I can't remember what service I said this in, I maybe said it last week, 98% of Christians have not had the chance to do this, have not led somebody one-on-one to say yes to Jesus. And it is the most incredible thing to be able to do, to see somebody literally be saved. And, and so I want you to do this. I want you to experience one of the greatest thrills and joys in life. Somebody that you've been praying for, you've been cultivating, you've been serving, you've been being kind to them, you're helping them, you're blessing them, and you're praying for them, and then you're planting seeds, and you're playing to seeds, and they're shutting you down, and you go back, and you're doing it again, and now you share, and, they, and they're ready? I, oh, in that moment, church, we've got to, the, the scriptures say, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Be ready. And so I want to teach you real quick here how to do this. We're going to be a couple minutes late this morning. Stay with me, class, all right? A couple minutes late. Um, and so how do you share the gospel? And I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel with, what, with using one verse from the Bible. One verse from the Bible. You need to memorize this verse. It's on the back of your sheets. Okay, it is Romans 6.23. If you're going to ever memorize a verse after John 3.16, memorize Romans 6.23. And I want you to think of it in three phrases. It's got three phrases. The first phrase, for the wages of sin is death. The second phrase, but the gift of God is eternal life. Third phrase, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want you to memorize that verse. If you can memorize that verse, you can share the gospel. And, and this is the way I share the gospel. This is the way that I've had been blessed, even though it's not my skill set, it's not my gifting, to, to, to share with, to see dozens of people say yes to Jesus Christ one-on-one. Not up front like this, but one-on-one to be able to do this with people. It is such a, a blessing, right? So here's what I would do. I would share, i say, listen, I want to share with you so you know, this isn't just like my thoughts, this is what... God says in his word, here's, here's what it says. It says this, for the wages of sin is death. I write those three words on this side, right? And if I'm sharing with my next door neighbor, Jorge, I would say, Jorge, here's the deal. Um, uh, you are over here, brother. And the Bible says, for you, you have wages. What's a wage? He's like, that's what I earn, right? For the wages of your sin, you ever done anything wrong? Most honest people will say, yes, I've done things wrong. That's called sin. Okay, the wages of your sin is death. This is, this is not six feet in the ground death. This is eternal separation from God. Your sin separates you from God. That's bad news, right? So here you are, but the verse goes on. And the verse goes on and says this, but, and then it says this, the gift of God is eternal life. This is what God has for you. God has a gift for you. This was one, by the way, this verse was instrumental for me understanding about Jesus, that he's a gift. You don't earn it. 
Salvation is a gift. Eternal life is, is a gift. And so the gift of God is eternal life. And the verse goes on. It says one more thing. It says what? Through, and you guys are much better artists than me, so you can make yours look much better than that. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and, and so, so here's, here's what I love to do when I'm explaining this to people. It is only when you put your faith in Jesus, you say, I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm going to put all of my apples in Jesus' basket. It's the only way for you to have a relationship with God is to know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. It's the only way to bridge the gap and to be over here. And so where do you think you're at right now? That's another thing I love to ask people. Where do you think you're at right now? And they'll be like, I'm over here. Or sometimes they get kind of spiritual because they know I'm pastor. Like, well, I'm kind of like right here. They, like, right? they think they're, I'm like, okay, either way, you're, you're, you're separated from God. I'm like, are you, are you ready? Are you ready to do this right now? Do you want to do this right now? Sometimes they say no. Sometimes they say yes. And then I'll say this. Let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. And this is where you have to get some spiritual courage and just say, let's pray right now. And you're like, I don't know what to pray. You just pray back what this verse says, the three parts of this verse. So this is what I would do. If I was with my neighbor, Jorge, and I'm praying I get to do this one day with Jorge, I would say, Jorge, here's, here's, here's what I would do. Um, you repeat after me. It's between you and God, all right? This may sound weird. Just pretend like you're talking to God. I'm just going to help you, all right? You're just going to say something like this. Dear God, and he'll go, dear God. And then you say, I know I'm a sinner, and it separates me from you, right? You're just praying back the first part. And he prays, God, I know that you want to give me eternal life. God, today, I'm saying yes to Jesus, I'm putting my trust in Jesus. God, save me today. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're going to just pray back with them this little prayer. Again, it's not a magical prayer, right? It's a genuine decision of their heart, but you're helping them make in that moment right there. And I'm telling you, when that happens, when you say amen, and they say amen, and you look up and you see their face, it... it Nine times out of ten, they're crying, and then like you start getting crying. It is one of the most unbelievable, joyful experiences that you have to have somebody say yes to Jesus. This is when the Bible says that the, the angels in heaven throw a party. They throw a party because a lost person was found, because a prodigal came home. A lost sheep returned to the flock, and this is the heart of God. And friends, I'm telling you, this is God's role for all of us. Whether you see yourself gifted at it, skilled at it, this is the calling of the church, which is what you are.